Hello again and welcome to the Inner Sanctuary podcast. We are on episode two of our new series, Let's Talk About Faith. We didn't think it would last this long. We didn't. We've made it. <laughs> made it through the wilderness. Love it. Fantastic. Um, the first episode, um, we were just chatting now that we were kind of like finding our feet a little bit, finding our flow, finding our groove. You may have noticed we were perhaps slightly vague. Um, that was intentional. I think we just kind of wanted to introduce the idea of faith generally. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. And it's got nothing to do whatsoever with us not knowing what we're talking about. No, absolutely nothing to do with that. And uh, case in point, I'm now going to try and nail Owen down on some answers about <laughs> about questions about the world. Um, but in all seriousness, we chatted a lot about faith earlier on. You chatted about kind of how faith is um, this kind of all-encompassing experience, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that is just part of your everyday life. Yeah. It's a, it's a practice, I guess, that's almost become so innate. Yeah, a relationship, a disposition. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. Um, so my question then is... We, we talked not too much about kind of the person of Jesus or Christianity specifically yeah. in the first episode. Um, but I'm just wondering, in sort of a world where we're encouraged to look within more and more, where we're encouraged to find our kind of own personal truth, is it outdated to think that one Jesus fits all? Yes, Interesting. And the reason, I will tell you the reason why do. I say that, is because if you look through history itself, you will see that one Jesus has never fitted all. You will see that um, our idea of who Jesus is has changed throughout history. But don't just look in the past throughout history, look across cultures and you will see that ideas of Jesus have changed from culture to to culture. Um, that isn't to say that Jesus is uh, a fiction, that we can make of him what we want, but it is to say that the person of Jesus is vast enough to accommodate lots and lots and lots of different aspects on his personality, his character, his mission, uh, and what he has called us to do as well. The way you're speaking about that actually sounds very liberating and oh, very freeing, whereas perhaps some people's experiences or what they've seen others experience have perhaps felt as if Jesus has become a opportunity to control how people live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that feels like really different though to the way that you've just described it. How how would you square that? Oh, that is such a tough question to answer. Not not because there are no answers to it, but because, you know, that's that's a big, big question, uh, with lots of many different answers. Um I think you've you've gotta roll it back to one thing, I think, which is uh tendency among many human beings to want power. Mm. Power drives so much of our interactions with each other on a personal level and on an organizational level as well. 
And when we get power, we want not only to retain power, but to have more power. And one of the things about Jesus, which you, you read in the gospel, he came to undermine that completely. You know, the, uh, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. He came not to be served, but to serve. You know, so many of his sayings are designed to undermine that negative power dynamic that people in power want to impose, or people who want power want to impose on others. And it's a tragedy then, isn't it, that the figure who has come to liberate us from a negative power then becomes a tool to be used to impose negative power, which we which we do see. You know, that happens all the time. I mean, I've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Put my hand up, I've probably been uh, guilty of that. Not probably, I have been guilty of doing that as well, wanting to use uh, Jesus as a tool to get people to do what I want them mm-hmm. to do. Um, so essentially, that's what I would say. The very reason why Jesus came to um, uh, to liberate us from le- negative power, you know, is is has been turned around by those who want to exert controlling power and negative power themselves. One of the things I always find really interesting when I read anything to do with Jesus, and if if you want to read sort of directly about Jesus, it can be found in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the yeah. Bible, which are all quite different. Um, the most different would be John mm-hmm. to the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So uh, John is my favorite. Yeah. Um, it is a little bit more like, you know, hoo 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 type of thing, and I that I enjoy that. Oh, you read him, you think, what on earth is he talking about yeah. so many times in here? Which is which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. which is it's fantastic, and I, I think one of the things that really strike me is that Jesus often taught using stories Mm. and really abstract weird stories that people struggle to understand and also by asking questions so he asked a lot more questions than he answered yeah and i think that sort of aligns itself with kind of what you were talking about just now about there is a freedom to come with questions there's a freedom for uh, almost a self-expression um, yeah. within how you understand Jesus and how you understand faith. And it's a conversation that Jesus facilitated himself when he was on this earth. Mm-hmm. This It wasn't a power struggle. It often was a was a dialogue. Yeah. Oh, I like that, yeah. I mean, the, the, I think, yeah, that is such a good model for what Christianity is itself. Christianity is a conversation. So wh- why do you think then that that the church has had a reputation of wanting to control people or not give them freedoms? Because I, in many instances, it has deserved our reputation. It has wanted to control. I think that that can often be exaggerated as well. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be completely of a downer on the church. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But very, very often it has uh, looked to control and looked to exert negative power. If we want to go into the reasons why that is, um, I would probably begin to look on the area of anxiety. You know, um, in a changing world, the church gets really, really scared uh, that its beliefs might be undermined, um, that its power might diminish, and so it resorts then to negative ways to maintain that, which is a very, very human reaction. 
you see it not just in the church, but you see it elsewhere as well. So I, I would think that largely it's because of an anxiety uh, that the church has resorted to um, controlling people in the past and does so today as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because when you sort of read about Jesus, there's such a sense of sort of like overthrowing hierarchical models, um, overthrowing restrictive structures and I'm not for one minute suggesting that like there should be some sort of like anarchy no. that takes place sure. but but there was so much freedom there was you know uh, th this might be a bit boring to some people but I, I do like thinking about kind of like culture and history mm. I'm not brilliant at it and I certainly don't know a lot about it but one of the things that I've thought about on many occasions is you know Jesus obviously was growing up in a in a Jewish culture that would have had like fantastic facilities, like resources, like fantastic synagogues with yeah. Yeah. you know, rooms and space to do things and, and all of that. And the way I understand Jesus is that he didn't try and reform those places. He actually really simplified everything down to it just being about people and yeah. not about resource or money or land or physical structures it was just about people yeah and finding healing yeah and yeah. that is so beautiful and simple and i think that that's not necessarily the experiences that a lot of people yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and that's such a profound insight, isn't it? That at the end of the day, when all is said and done, um, and any other cliche you want to throw in there, <laughs> it's about people. Yeah. And it is. It's all about people. And it's all about helping people to flourish in their lives. It has to be about that. It can't be about anything else, because what else matters? It must be about helping people to flourish through healthy relationships. Um, it's a tragedy that at, at points, you know, it it isn't that, but um, but at its best, a relationship with Jesus, if that's how we're talking about faith, really does lead to can lead to um, to flourishing. And just to kind of wrap up this episode, this is quite a big question. Okay, <laughs> right at the end, go on, throw it out. Go on. Yeah, just why is it Jesus for you as opposed to anything or anyone else? Quite simply because Jesus is risen from the dead. And for that reason, Jesus is the ground of my hope, uh, the meaning of my life. That sets Jesus apart. That completely sets him apart. And, and the resurrection of Jesus declares that... He is the ultimate answer to the question of meaning, the question of how to live, the question of human relationships, the question of growth. Yeah, that. That's a really good answer. Oh, thank you. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, yeah. but I don't think I thought you were going to say that. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's I'm intrigued now. You've got to tell me what you thought I, I was going to say. I think I thought you were going to say something about like the way he lived his life or the example of his life. Right. But then there's been a lot of really wonderful people who have, have been, lived yeah. really, really wonderful yeah. lives, yeah. haven't they? And why should I pay any attention to Jesus' life as opposed to the others? 
simply because he rose from the dead. That's and that right. is entirely unique yeah. to the person of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. It lends and, and it kind of has this retrospective effect of giving his life a greater significance, therefore, giving him a greater significance. So you, you know, there's that story is now of the, um, when Jesus is being crucified in, in Mark's account of Jesus' life. Right at the end, there's a Roman centurion. Um, I'm just trying to think. In one film, he was played by John Wayne, wasn't he? The Roman centurion. John Wayne. John Wayne. Ro- John Wayne played played <laughs> this uh, centurion, <laughs> and he stands at the end of the cross. And as Jesus dies, he says, "I, I won't try to John Wayne accent." He says, uh, "Truly, this man was the Son of God." Well, that for me is the is is the response to the empty tomb. He is risen from the dead. Truly, he is the Son of God, and his life, his life then becomes. Everything that you suggested it is a pattern for living ourselves, a means of knowing and encountering God through the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like that is a brilliant place to wrap this episode. Um, I'm looking forward to talking further in episode three. Thank you so much for joining us. See you again on the Inner Sanctuary podcast. 